It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the Fan Sided Network and FinFanatic.com. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. We are joined here by Nick Woten, managing editor, editor here of the USA Today Bills Wire. Kind enough to join us here to give us some Bills insight from um, from year to year as we continue this Dolphins-Bills rivalry. This game starts here at 1 p.m. Eastern time. This Sunday, Bills are favored by three and a half points. Bills coming off a 23-16 to loss to the Steelers. Dolphins coming off a 17-16 to win against the New England Patriots. Nick, thanks for joining us here today. Absolutely, absolutely. I had to give the Dolphins faithful a little bit something this week after I took that money line for the Dolphins last week against the Patriots. So I will throw that out there right away. <laughs> well, even if the Patriots had gotten the field goal, you would have still covered because I think the line was at three. Did you get three or two and a half? I I, put, I, put, I was too excited last week, opening weekend, that I put so many different ones, <laughs> so many different bets out there. Honestly, I'm still mentally frazzled from that. Uh, I took a, a parlay with the Ravens and Raiders, and of course, I took the Ravens, and then that game was just so insane, and <laughs> I hit the over at least, but you know, it didn't help the parlay. But that's I, point is, uh, after that game, I think I lost thought on all my other bets last week, but I did. I know the Dolphins won one. So don't, don't hate the Orchard Park guy, Buffalo guy here too much this week. I believed in you guys last week. Oh, well, we, we certainly appreciate that. And uh, so Nick, looking at the game last week for the bills, um, you know, they lose 23 to 16. Obviously it's a game, you know, heading into week one, a lot of bills fans thought they were going to come away with, I think they were six point favorites and they got off to a 10, nothing lead. And then everything kind of fell apart there in the second half. Now, Josh Allen coming off a season with 37 touchdowns, 4,500 yards passing, MVP type season. And in week one, you know, the Steelers got the better of him again. And it looks like he's kind of had that against the Steelers. My, my question to you is, is it a coincidence that Josh Allen against the Steelers has, has not played his best football or are the Steelers kind of doing something um, that, that really got the better of him? Attention, listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with their Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Ready for an out-of-this-world experience, fellas? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off not only in the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. I think it's, it's certainly the Steelers have something on him because... In the last three years, 
uh, straight. The Bills and Steelers have faced off uh, once a year, just the way you know things fall. And um, the Bills have won the first two games, but they were very close. And in all three games, the Bills on offense just did not look good. And all three games, they came out, struggled right away. Uh, even in those two wins, I mean, it, it took last year's game going into it. Uh, the Bills were down at half, and it took, I think, seven catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown from Stefan Diggs over the first two series in the second half for them to get the job done last year. So, I mean, these games have just been notoriously close. And I guess in the sense of, you know, maybe an overreaction because, you, you know, you see all the talking heads on ESPN uh saying the Bills are Super Bowl bound and this and that and the other thing. So, of course, it's a little bit of a damper coming out and losing in week one. But just the fact that it's the Steelers, they certainly have had, I don't want to say had the Bills number because they're one and two in the past three years against the Bills. But, I mean, their pass rush combined with the Bills having an average at best offensive line, I mean, that that was really the recipe right there. And that was the recipe of why the last three games of the Steelers defense really held Allen in tune. So, if yeah, just what you said there with the Bills offensive line, because that's what I noticed too when I watched the game and it's what's been talked about is the Steelers are really effectively able to get to Josh Allen rushing four and playing some too deep safety. Um, so when you look at the Bills offensive line here, you know, it's it's kind of, you look at the depth chart and you you watch them perform. They've always been notoriously known as a, as an offensive line that doesn't have a lot of weaknesses, but doesn't have like, a big star either. So where are kind of the, the concerns and the strengths on the offensive line heading into week two now? So last week, the big story, biggest story for me personally was they had, I believe six or seven holding calls in the offensive line, right there, baseline, not good. And Deion Dawkins, the left tackle is widely known as, as you mentioned, he's never had a pro bowl. He's not a star, but he's probably their best offensive lineman, left tackle, Deion Dawkins. He had three holding calls last week, which is not good at all in a single game. Wow. It's not good for about a half a season, having three three holding calls. He had, had a three in one game. Uh, he's coming off, actually, a, a bout with COVID, where he was in the hospital for a couple days, and he had some really uh, jarring quotes afterwards. And he said he came into camp and just wasn't, wasn't 100% in football shape after that, which, I mean, you can't blame a guy. So to answer your question, the 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 outside of the tackles of the Bills offensive line in recent years has been the area where they've been pretty good. Um, last week, we're hoping that maybe it was a blip. Uh, he was going up against Melvin Ingram a lot, and you also have TJ Watt on the edge. So he had a, a tough time. And despite the Bills saying that it wasn't COVID related and he's back in football shape, he probably wasn't. Uh, considering it three holding calls against him. That's so rare for him. But in the middle, uh, the middle of their interior, the Bills offensive line for for a while now has been a little suspect. I mean, they're rotating a little bit. Cody Ford is a former second round pick that they traded up to get. And they just love giving him as many chances as they can, even though he kind of struggles here and there. He actually was the only one on the offensive line without a holding call against him. But of course, he was rotated out of the game with Ike Butker. Um on the left side, John Feliciano, I think he gave up eight quarterback pressures uh, at left guard. Mitch Morris is kind of, he's been a steady Eddie at center, but it's he, at one time he was the highest paid center in the league. So he's always been a lightning rod for, for some controversy there. So uh, again, just to answer your question, the, it's always been the middle of the Bills offensive line, but hopefully those concerns on the outside will get better with, with Dion improving is really just his football shape. I mean, the guy, like I said, he was really sidelined for a while there. You can't can't blame them, I guess, last week going up against such all pros and pro bowlers. Uh, yeah, and a couple months ago, Deion Dawkins uh, signed a contract extension, four years, 
58 million in that range. So obviously the team thinks very highly of them. So more than likely, especially when you factor in COVID probably is a blip. Um, John Feliciano at left guard. Yeah. Got PFF's lowest grade for the bills last week. I think it was in the thirties. So certainly not, not a great situation there too, but overall it's been, it's been thought of as a, you know, kind of a bend, but don't break offensive line. At least that's how I've seen it. Um, from over here. Um, yeah, the, the Bills in uh, Josh Allen's rookie season in 2019 had maybe the worst offensive line in the league, and then they upgraded to an average one. So Bills fans have always kind of looked at it to that scope of, well, they were so bad before, and now they're great by comparison. But really, it's just like that average just looks so much better looking through that that uh, perception of them. But they can they definitely can stand to get better, as, as you referenced. And to take a dig at some Dolphins fans, I think it's a little bit of the same thing, um, where the offensive line was so bad for so many years. And then this past year, uh, they certainly weren't great, but they only let up 16 sacks, which surprised a lot of people in comparison to sacks given up in the past, kind of that same type of thing. So I I certainly understand what you're saying there. Uh, At the running back position, a little bit interesting last week, Zach Moss was a, I believe a healthy scratch, was inactive. Uh, Former Dolphin Matt Breida actually was active on game day over Zach Moss here. I was a little bit surprised by that. Do you have any additional insight into that or in what we could possibly see out of their Bills running back position this week? I mean, they they definitely, it's kind of been a trend even going back to last year where, yes, we know Josh Allen has arrived and he's good, but give him a complimentary running game of some sort and the Bills just do not want to do that. Of course, it worked out pretty well last year. They made it all the way to the AFC title game, but still it'd be nice. And this was just another one of those games where they really didn't have it. I mean, Devin Singletary started he finished the game with 11 carries and 72 yards, but it wasn't until they were down and on the scoreboard specifically where it was almost like the Steelers were just obviously not expecting them to run the ball where all of a sudden they're ripping off a 25 yard run, which really just kind of saved Singletary stats. But in terms of Moss, I mean, that was a really a big shocker uh, for everyone. Uh, Matt Breed had four carries, four yards, uh, and he lost, I think, I think he had a seven yard carry and then lost six yards. The Bills went for an awful, uh, fourth down it was like fourth and one and they faked the run uh with Allen. they threw it back to him and the Steelers were just like there's like three guys around Brita it was it was a brutal play so I don't know if the, I guess it was very confusing because the Bills at the end of last season were trending towards giving Moss more touches and then he had an ankle injury he had a hamstring injury this summer so I don't know if they just if he's had a slow offseason training camp because of the injuries he's dealt with recently but yeah I mean Sean McDermott it's He's not one to want to give you any information. And his response was numbers, just numbers as to why Zach Moss didn't play. It's, uh, it's so, so bare minimum, it didn't have to do with his health, according. That's how I read between the lines. Well, that's smart of Sean McDermott. Of Brian course. Flores does the same thing. I'm a big fan of lying to the media or being quiet with the media. I think that's I think that's a sign of good coaching. So kudos to him on that. I mean, uh, so this week here, you know, the Dolphins are going to be without Raekwon Davis, a defensive tackle. He went on IR for at least the next couple of weeks here. So maybe that, that certainly will help the bills against or on the ground game um, at wide receiver. Uh, Stefan did obviously a, a very talented group there. Stefan Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, Gabe Davis, Cole Beasley in the slot uh, Dawson Knox at the tight end spot here. It, not a lot has changed from last year. It looks like except from, for Emmanuel, the arrival of Emmanuel Sanders. Yep, uh, pretty much steady as she goes there. Uh, Cole Beasley as well out of the slot, and I think you probably said him. He, he he had a lot of targets last week, thirteen, maybe more than you're usually used to with him. But uh, yeah, it's just it's almost the same exact. They're they're 
The Bills' goal this offseason, really on both sides of the ball, was, hey, we almost made it to the Super Bowl. Let's bring the gang back together. They essentially did that. The big free agent on offense was right tackle Darrell Williams. They got him back. Um, but if we're, uh, if we're talking playmakers, yeah, Emmanuel Sanders is essentially, I mean, for a good chunk of last year, it was basically Diggs, Beasley, and Davis because John Brown, former, former Bill, uh, he was banged up last year, and he had a couple good seasons in Buffalo, but he was banged up last year, spent time on the sideline. Then he did get out there. He kind of never looked 100% like himself. So, yeah, it's almost like Brown out, Sanders in, and uh, let's go. And uh, didn't really stretch the field a lot last week. But that kind of was more so on Allen. He, to Sanders' credit, he did get open down the seam, and Allen missed him, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of steady as she goes. It's hard to find any insight with the uh, with the Bills playmakers. Uh, they didn't want to upgrade a tight end. and. Brought everyone else back. Well, let's park on that for a second there. Uh, you know, last year, Josh Allen, I was incredibly impressed by his aggressiveness down the field last year compared to the two previous seasons. And this week against Pittsburgh, or this past week against Pittsburgh, I, I, I didn't quite see that aggressiveness. And you you mentioned that, that Sanders was getting open deep. I'm sure a few other receivers did throughout the game, too. Any insight into that uh, as, as to why maybe he wasn't taking as many shots? Uh, I think it was kind of a mixture of maybe, I, I, I mean, how, how do you read a player's, you know, mental, uh, mental, I don't want to say capacity or mental thoughts, uh, their thoughts during a game. But early in the game, it just seemed like, you know, Allen maybe in front of the home fans, a lot riding on, you know, Super Bowl team, Super Bowl Bills this year, right? He missed early and then he kind of did get a little gun shy later on in the game because he missed. So I think it was just maybe a series of events there for him. And they just never really got in a rhythm again. Uh, it, it, the pass rush was just so all over him. I mean, the Steelers rushed, I, I guess maybe the better way to say it is the Steelers blitzed one time in the game against the Bills, and they still were all over Allen. So Allen maybe got a little gun shy. He missed, I think, twice early Sanders on one, uh, maybe Diggs on another Um I can't remember if that one was in the first or second half, but regardless, I know Sanders was in the first half. So and he might've just not had really the time out there. Uh, Hayward coming up the middle on him. It was, it was just, it was, it was, they were all over it, all over Josh Allen there. And I, I don't want to put too much blame and pile just on the offensive line. Cause we already covered that, but yeah, they played a part there for sure. It, the bills were also winning for most of the game too. I mean, it might've been three, nothing might've been 10, nothing, but still they were leading for most of the game that, that yep. bleeds into it too, obviously. Um, on sure, the defensive sure. side of the ball, oh, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, I was just going to say that, and maybe that was a game coaching too, because they didn't actually run the ball and keep the Steelers very honest in the game. I mean, threw the ball 51 times in the game, <laughs> they were expecting yeah, pass. <laughs> yeah, and one more thing on Josh Allen. I heard a, a stat, I think, from PFF or Next Generation, that last year when Josh Allen was blitzed in 2020, he had 20 touchdowns and two interceptions. So the benefit of the Steelers being able to get to Josh Allen with the front four, man, oh man, you know, not having to blitz only blitzed one time, like you said. So yeah, yeah that's, that's something that the dolphins are going to have to bring here. Uh, and a big matchup is going to probably be Jalen Phillips going up against Deion Dawkins. And you've got Emmanuel Ogba against Daryl Williams on the other side, a little bit more of an even matchup there too. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say Phillips and Dawkins is uneven. Um, Phillips is so unproven, but yeah, that, that's going to be a big part of it because if the Dolphins can get pressure without sending the house every play, Dolphins blitzed almost half the time last week against New England. So it's going to be a lot different defense this week uh, against the Bills. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. 
Certainly, certainly. Yeah. Allen does does well against the rush, as you know, your PFF stats prove. But it's almost uh, I saw I saw maybe another tweet. I, I don't think it was a source or, or outlet, pardon me, or anything like that. But it was like, did, did the Steelers find out how to stop Josh Allen? It's like, well, I'm pretty sure you can stop most NFL quarterbacks if you're almost blitzing nobody and you have eight guys in coverage behind your defensive line. It's a very good recipe against Tom Brady, against Patrick Mahomes, against everybody. It, right. And we saw a little bit of that last week for the Dolphins, too. The Patriots were only sending three or four to the quarterback. Not a ton of pressure on Tua, but certainly enough when you're dropping seven or eight guys into coverage. So yeah, and the talent that the Dolphins have in their secondary is you know hard hard pressed to find better. So certainly, certainly uh, on defense here, you know the Bills rotate a lot of players. It looks like on their front four, they drafted Gregory Rousseau in the first round. Uh, one of Paul's favorite players, Boogie Basham, in the second. I believe he was inactive this past week, though. Um, Jerry Hughes seems like he's been there forever, and uh, they've got. They've got Ed Oliver at the defensive tackle spot too. How, how would you assess, you know, the the defensive line here this past week against the Steelers? Uh, yes, so far, uh, Sean McDermott never really addressed. He just, uh, of course, a coach is not going to just come out and tell you why a guy was inactive, but he never, he has not, he has not yet addressed why uh, why a Boogie Basham was not out there. Uh, second round pick, you'd think he would be, but the Bills did add a lot to their uh, defensive line just in general last year. They kind of were exposed there and there are a couple losses to the chiefs that they really needed to get better in the defensive trenches. And so far it's, it's looked pretty good. Rousseau, um, kind of ironically compared to Basham, you know, back in April. Okay. Rousseau is the project guy, such a high ceiling. You take him in the first round, Basham is going to be there. The guy ready from day one. Well, it's kind of in the opposite, right? Uh, Rousseau was out there. He's actually now there in the rotation that the bills run ever since Sean McDermott arrived, it's so noteworthy that they run such a big rotation uh, in their defensive line. So, you know, the guys who had the most snaps, you consider them the starters were so is actually the starter alongside uh, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, who the plan with him actually was he had the force fumble last week on big Ben. And they thought maybe he'd play better with less snaps, have a little bit more in the tank. Cause he's kind of up there in age. And so far that looked good. Um, you mentioned Jerry Hughes. Uh, yeah, longest tenured member of the team. Just been there forever. Uh, PFF loves that guy. He never gets the sack numbers, but if their analytics are correct, he gets every every pressure every game <laughs> for the Bills, basically. And uh, finally, you mentioned Ed Oliver. I personally never thought he was approaching bust territory for the Bills, but he certainly could do with a breakout game, breakout year, pardon. And that started with a very good game last week in the middle. Um, you know, that... Ever since you get Aaron Donald in the league, which is you know maybe the best defensive tackle we've ever seen, especially in terms of an undersized guy, you get a guy like Ed Oliver. He's kind of compared to that, you know, unfairly. You know, the guy can't handle draft narrative about him, but he's starting to come along, and uh, he was cer- certainly getting in the backfield last week, creating a few problems in the middle of the defensive line. And hopefully, if the Bills can get Starla Tulier back, he did not play last week. He did not play last year because he opted out uh, because of COVID. He's a guy who's been like the not sexy guy in the defensive line take up the blockers. He's a space eater. Maybe that'll help out Oliver. Maybe that'll help Tremaine Edmonds. That's the hope this year, but we didn't get to see it last week because he has a calf injury. That's uh, hopefully he'll play. It's, it's so early in the week right now that, w- that we're talking about it. Last week on Wednesday, McDermott said that Latulia would play and then he just never practiced last week. So that's that coachmanship from Sean McDermott that he says the guy's going to play and he doesn't even come close to playing. But hopefully that's a good sign that he'll make his season debut against the, uh, the Dolphins, Latulia, which can only help, I think. Yeah, Star, uh, 
Starla Latulele or Latulier, however you say his last name here. Uh, he was uh, taken a few spots after Ryan Tannehill in the 2012 draft by the Panthers. Has spent uh, spent five six years with the Panthers. Moved to Buffalo, like you said, he opted opted out last last year and was out week one. And then, but he's a big dude, and that'll be an interesting matchup with Ed Oliver on the inside because the Dolphins have two big guards who are impressive for their you know for their age but also could struggle with speed rushers with Solomon Kindley and Robert Hunt. So that that's going to be a matchup on the inside that certainly bears watching um, on in, in the back seven there. One thing I noticed, and one thing I saw in the snap counts here is the bills played 58 defensive snaps this past week. Teron Johnson, their nickelback was on the field for 58 snaps. So the bills play a four two five type of defense, almost exclusively. It looks like. Do you expect that to continue here? Yeah, most likely. I mean, that's been the case for for most of Sean McDermott's tenure. Um, even last year, it would be tearing Johnson 80, 90 percent of snaps. You know, we'll do the weekly snap count story. Uh, it's almost, uh, you know, for us as people analyzing the team, it's almost you look at the snap counts and you write that story for yourself so you can get that narrative of what this defense is looking like. And yeah, tearing Johnson is it has certainly been kind of like a starter for the Bills defense, essentially. And last week, he doesn't always hit 100%. I don't think he's maybe ever hit 100%. But yeah, I would expect that definitely to continue. Um, and if it doesn't, sometimes you'll see a little bit of AJ Klein out there. But it's 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 it's, it's, it's definitely going to continue. I, I would even maybe maybe they put Siren Neal at, at the nickel as a bigger nickel uh, on a couple snaps, a couple packages. But yeah, Taryn Johnson, uh, he was... He was up and down early last year. He was actually almost going to get benched for uh, Cam Lewis, who's now a practice squad player. Actually, he did uh, in maybe week three or four. Um, the Bills uh, gave Lewis a shot to start, and he like broke his wrist on like the second snap of the game. Tough break for him. Uh, didn't mean a pun there. But, uh, yeah, Taron Johnson finally settled down last year. He had the huge interception against the Ravens to ice their uh, divisional round win in the playoffs, which is awesome. 105-yard uh, touchdown return against Lamar Jackson. And, yeah. Um, no, no worries last week, really. I mean, he led the team in tackles, uh, all of them solo. So, uh, Taron Johnson was pretty solid. Let's, let's, I'm a little nervous. He makes me a little nervous sometimes. Like I said, he's up and down. So he's going to be probably matched up in the slot with, with Jalen Waddle a lot. And, you know, Johnson is one of the better nickelbacks in the league from what I've seen there in the slot. How is his speed? Now, I, my understanding is that he's not the fastest nickelback, and does that concern you going up against Jalen Waddle? I mean, we'll see. I mean, Waddle uh, shout out to my fantasy team last week, <laughs> but uh, a lot of Dolphins love from Buffalo today. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's, he's he's definitely not known as a, as a burner in any sense of the uh, of the word. Uh, Taron Johnson, it, it it's so so early within Jalen's career, and uh, we'll see. But I mean, to answer your question, uh, yeah, he's he. I, I'm, I'm not going to call him a burner in any sense of the word at all. Uh, Taron Johnson in the nickel. He's uh, hopefully the Bills. They they run some some zone defense a lot too, so maybe that'll help him out, make things a little bit easier. But we'll, we'll see. Right, and it, I mean the Bills secondary still one of the better ones in the league, and it seems like it never changes from year to year either. I mean they've got Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer back there. Tre'Davious White is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And Levi Wallace, uh, it's it seems like he's going to be out of the lineup every year, but always comes back as that starting cornerback uh, opposite Tre'Davious White, and and always rises to the challenge year after year. It seems like he's been there for ten years now. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is. He's quite the story because he was a walk-on at Alabama, uh, undrafted rookie. Uh, ended up getting the call up for for the Bills. I mean, they. To your point, they every single year, and it's it, it's almost like a tongue-in-cheek question that, like you know, Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator, and Sean McDermott was getting this summer. It's like you guys try to replace this guy every year and never can because he just always battles. And they they say that his mental uh, mental approach to such battles last year was Josh Norman. Uh, Wallace ended up they were kind of rotating a little bit in a, in and out at the number two, and then this summer, uh, Dane Jackson, former seventh round pick, uh, the Bills kind of used the COVID rules last year to bring him up from the practice squad at any single opportunity that they had. I think he played in five or six games, and he did flash uh, a, a, a quite a bit, but. Uh, yeah, all throughout the summer, it was just Levi's beating him, Levi's beating him. And yeah, he's kind of just the steady Eddie. And he's, he's, uh, fans like to get on him a lot. I think he's pretty good for number two. Uh, maybe you can do a little bit better if you're, if you're deep and you want to invest a high draft pick or something like that. But uh, I think I, I'm a fan of Levi Wallace. Uh, he did get beat last weekend by Deontay Johnson in the end zone, but it was kind of one of those toe tapping, what are you supposed to do kind of plays. Uh, in my in my opinion, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, like you said, he is just from walk on at Alabama to undrafted to no one can beat him out at number two. And and you're with Tre'Davious, what you're gonna get targeted. I think he was targeted ten times last week, and uh, yeah, yeah, I I like Levi, but we'll we'll see if Tua can expose him. <laughs> well, I think Levi was probably more surprised that Deontay Johnson caught the ball. Uh, so that, <laughs> that I, I got to give him a. Uh, some slack on that. <laughs> so, Nick, uh, before we get to our um, to our predictions here, um, what are some maybe questions that Bills fans might have for 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 Dolphins fans this week as as they look at this matchup? I think the number one question would be, how's that pass rush looking? Because the Bills, again, that offensive line was so tough uh, for them last week. I'm curious to see if maybe the Bills run so much spread last week uh, offense that maybe they'll bring in some more blockers or something like that. But the, the number one thing would be just uh, elaborating on that pass rush is, boy, were, were people afraid last week watching this front five in front of Josh Allen. Yeah, and the Dolphins, the way they structure things a lot with when they had Raekwon Davis in there is, they play a lot of fronts with three defensive tackles with, with Davis, with Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins. And then typically Agba uh, there at the defensive end spot. And then usually an overhang linebacker like Andrew Van Ginkle. Um, the Dolphins have still not proven at this point that they can get to the quarterback with their front four. That's why last year, if you look at advanced metrics, their pass rush didn't grade out very well. But in terms of sacks and in terms of turnovers, they were they were one of the best in the league because they blitzed and they blitzed effectively. But if you do that to Josh Allen or you try to do that to Josh Allen, you know yourself, it's probably going to come back to bite you because he's going to be able to read the blitz quickly. Um, so that's why the matchup with Agba and Jalen Phillips at the defensive end spot against Deion Dawkins and against Darrell Williams, I, I, I think is one of the biggest ones here in this game. So do you think that uh, any any chance that they're going to switch that up then instead of sending blitz? At- Based on what the Steelers did last week, then I guess the, a Bills fan's follow-up question should be, do you think they're going to adjust to that and go with the Steelers philosophy or go with the traditional Dolphins philosophy? Well, the Steelers blitzed. Uh, if they blitzed one time, that means they blitzed less than 2% of the time last yeah. week. The Dolphins blitzed about 45%. I don't see them blitzing 45% again, but it's almost unheard of in this defense not to blitz at least a quarter of the plays. So you should see blitzes. A lot. I don't know if that's the most appropriate strategy, 
the more that Agba and Phillips and, and Andrew Van Ginkle can win the matchups on the edge, I think the less you'll see, you'll see blitz. But if it comes down to it, they'll play cover zero and send the house every play if they need to. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's, let's see if the Bills, uh, well, maybe a busy day for Colby easily then. You, yes. And um, one question in chat here from a cap for life. And uh, I'll, I'll uh, screen this a little bit. He said, uh, the, the line, the bills linebackers core is suspect. Nick, can you confirm or deny that? And I've got to preface that by saying, I don't think you're going to find many linebacker units with two better players than Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano on there. Um, anything you want to say to piggyback on that? Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And I think this goes back to your thought on how they basically run a four two five defense because those Tremaine Edwins who pro bowler uh, crazy. He, ah, I can't think of the exact number, but he's, he, he just had the fifth year option picked up on his rookie deal along with Josh Allen. They're both first round picks uh, the same year. And the bills drafted, I think three or four guys that are actually older than him right now. And his fourth year in the league because he was like 19 when they drafted him, however it worked out. So that guy is so young and still so good and so much room to grow. Matt Milano, I think he's one of the most underrated being, I think objectively, I think he's one of the most underrated linebackers in the league. Undersized guy. He can cover line, or excuse me, he can cover tight ends from the linebacker spot very well because um, he used to be a safety at Boston College, actually. So, and uh, my point I was going to get to is if you're going to include AJ Klein in that, you know, four, three defense linebackers. Sure. It's going to go down a little bit, but they don't, he's not a starter. It's only those two guys. It's that nickel based defense. So if you're going to go based off starters, it's hard to find a better pairing than, than the bills. Absolutely. Great evaluation there. And Tremaine Edmonds. Yeah. Six, five, 250 pounds was he either was 19 or just turned 20 when he was drafted. So yeah. still a yeah. very young guy, son of former dolphins, tight end Farrell Edmonds, as Paul mentioned here mm-hmm. in the chat. Uh, yep. So Nick, uh, thanks for joining us here. And before we uh, we we sign off um, here, what is your score prediction for the Dolphins versus Bills this weekend? So it's definitely going to come down to the, I think really both offensive lines probably because the Bills tried to remake their defensive line so much and their own offensive line was was a wreck last week. Uh, PFF graded them as the 13th best in the league last week, which you know sometimes PFF does no favors for me in defending them sometimes. Uh, uh, but uh, anyways, I think this game is going to be, I'm going to go like maybe 31-17 Bills, uh, nothing against the Dolphins. I think they're a good team. I think they're going to be in second in the AFC East, but Something about Josh Allen and playing the Dolphins there. It's it's real. He plays so much better against the Dolphins. And I don't I cannot tell you why he's only lost the one time he lost in the Dolphins in his career so far was that Charles. I feel like every time I talk to you guys, I always bring up that Charles Clay drop in the end zone right at the end of the game. And if Charles Clay catches that Josh Allen has never lost in his career against the Dolphins. He has six offensive players of the week. Three of them have come against the Dolphins in his career. I don't know what it is with this guy and, and the Dolphins. I don't know what Miami did to him, but he plays he plays with a chip in his shoulder against the Dolphins. And I and I, I that is I, I think is most of, most of an objective take that you can get is that Josh Allen just saves his best football for the Miami Dolphins. Well, it, it, it's just facts. I mean, uh, even when Josh Allen was playing terrible for the season, he was killing yeah. the Dolphins. Which you know now now that's certainly not the case. And and I've I've said all off season, I'll say over and over again, the Dolphins are not going to get to where they need to be. If they can't figure out a way to stop Josh Allen, because they're not going to win the division, they're not going to play a home playoff game, they're not going to go far in the playoffs. So it all connects together. Uh, so 
Nick, thank you very much here for joining us uh, on the Finside, breaking down the Bills sideline. Be sure to follow Nick Woten there. Uh, Nick, what's your uh, what's your uh, Twitter handle and how can we find you here? Yeah, I'm at uh, Nick underscore Woten. That's W-O-J-T-O-N. Uh, Billswire.usatoday.com is where a lot of my stuff is. Uh, I actually do some national writing for them now. Our national NFL Wire website is actually touchdownwire.usatoday.com. And I got to throw out a shout out to, of course, dolphinswire.usatoday.com. They do a great job. And, you know, I collab. thank you guys for having me again. I'll be doing this for a couple of years now. You guys always do a great job. Join you guys anytime you want and uh, be collabing with uh, Dolphins Wire this week as well. So uh, absolutely give it out for them. Nick does a great job. And uh, Kyle Krabs over there uh, with the Dolphins Wire also does a fantastic job. So be sure to follow them and be sure to follow us too on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, the Fan Sided Network and FinFanatic.com. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the Fin side.